From the Embassy of France in the United States, this is Frank Files, a podcast where we explore the unique relationship between France and the U.S. My name is Andrea, and I will be your host. Marquis de Lafayette, a name you're surely familiar with. Whether you know about the Revolutionary War hero, heard his name on Hamilton, or seen Lafayette written on public spaces, schools, universities in the United States, America is Lafayette's biggest fan. Today we explore one of our oldest allies, the fame behind his name, and a young geographer who has led a national covering of Lafayette's farewell tour of 1824. Literally following in his footsteps is Julien Ichet president of the Lafayette Trail Incorporated and heritage keeper of Lafayette's most nationally cherished and famed last visits in America. I'm honored to have you with us, Julien. Thanks, Andrea. Good to be with you. So, Julien, in 2017, you arrived at the consulate in Boston as a French geographer tasked with mapping Marquis de Lafayette's presence in New England. Today, you are the president of a major and growing organization destined to raise awareness about Lafayette's contribution to the founding of the United States. As an expert of Lafayette's legacy, what is it about Marquis de Lafayette that continues to fascinate America? Well, that's such a great question, Andrea. Actually, there's a combination of parameters here to consider. Uh, I think what's key to the fascination of Americans still to this day with Lafayette is the fact that he was very wealthy. He got a lot of money when he was very uh, young in France, and he decided to pour those resources in the service of an idea. And not only that, but he also bled for this idea. He bled at the Battle of Brandywine, September 11th, 1777, to uh, secure the independence of the United States. So you have this monetary contribution, uh, and obviously uh, this military uh, actions, the, his military contributions to all those battles early during the Revolutionary War, I think helped uh, create this image that he still enjoys to this day in the United States. Now, of course, along the way, he befriended a lot of uh, founding fathers. He came to be known as the friend of George Washington, and he came several times in this country. That's the thing that to me is key is the longevity of his life in America. And my nonprofit focuses on the last visit of Lafayette in the United States in 1824 at a time when a presidential election was threatening the union of the country, 1824. And he was traveling around the country, welcoming newer states, the newer state at the time to the national family. And those new states needed, uh, I would say, a figure, major figure to claim, to show, demonstrate that they were just as American as everybody else on the East Coast. So you have that military legacy that Lafayette uh, contributed uh, to the United States during the Revolutionary War. But you also have later on other, I would say, more moral uh, uh, contributions to this country that Lafayette did, whether it's uh, uh, defense of universal rights, confronting the founding fathers about the usage of slavery. This all builds to uh, having a picture of a man, French-born Lafayette, that actually is celebrated for much more than military achievements, but also for his personal belief in what the, the United States would become, could become, and what he did with actions documented with primary source materials throughout his life uh, in service of the national interest. 
It is recognizable that Lafayette had a profound friendship, relationship, bond, if you want, with the U.S., um, including with what you were saying with the founding fathers. And uh, it has been phenomenal to see just uh, to what extent he really became, in some ways, a a Franco-American citizen. I would say that if you look at the United States today, you will see that there are a lot of towns, counties, streets named after him and this is not a, this is not an accident okay this is this is they're named after Lafayette they're not named after Rochambeau they're not named after the grass uh, they're named after Lafayette and there is a reason for that and because he, he had in common that he served militarily although as I said at the beginning his contribution was made alongside as part actually of the Continental Army he was fighting with the Americans but he played a role in securing the official military alliance of the French government in 1778 and i think that this is key because americans recognize to this day actually the risks that lafayette took personally pouring his own money into an idea, going against public orders, preventing French men and women from attending any actions that could benefit potentially the British. He did all of that, nevertheless. So we argue at the Lafayette Trail that he was strongly influenced by the ideas of the Enlightenment and that this idea that he could create a revolutionary political system in North America that could benefit the entirety of mankind was really what was motivating him uh, behind the scenes. And as I said, if you look around the United States, you will see everywhere physically the legacy that he left behind, whether it's celebrated locally mm-hmm. at the state level or by the federal government. You will see that it's actually, it's actually very vivid. Uh, people feel very strongly about it. And personally, I feel like it is to be built upon in order to forge the future of our bilateral relation with the United States and France, definitely. I've heard you've traveled more than 15,000 miles from Vermont to Louisiana in search of preserving, of honoring Lafayette's legacy and marking his farewell tour. I want to know more about that. I mean, I'm curious, what was the moment where you decided that that was important? I mean, you've made it obvious now, but, you know, when was it when you said to yourself, I need to put this project into action? I would say this was in um, during my time uh, as a junior diplomat in Boston at the consulate. I feel like when I did complete the research for the New England states that are under the jurisdiction of the consulate of France in Boston, and, and I saw the outpouring of nice messages and you know nice comments and encouragements from Americans and French in North America. I said to myself, why would you limit this to only New England? Because, I mean, I had read everything about the tour by now, of course, and I knew that the tour of Lafayette encompassed the entire country, which, which was back then 24 states, as you said, all the way from Maine to Louisiana. And I said uh, to myself, let's go for it. you got to try to create a structure in which the entire country that existed at the time could benefit from your efforts. And the idea that I could potentially help forge a lasting memory of Lafayette enshrined at local, state, and federal levels for the years to come as a personal contribution to Franco-American relations was really what motivated me uh, very strongly. Because I feel like Lafayette is known everywhere in this country, but not necessarily for 
his last visit in 1824, as I said many times, he's known more for the military achievements, the fact that he bled a brandy wine, the fact that he led uh, with Alexander Hamilton the siege of Yorktown and the assault on Redoubt Number 10 at Yorktown. Uh, I feel like those are why Lafayette is known. But to me, this does not do justice just to emphasize the military achievements during the Revolutionary War. This does not do justice to what Lafayette's legacy has as a potential. So I want to make the most of it. And uh, my idea was to create a unified structure that could actually be used to uh, raise awareness in the United States at all layers of government. I can tell you've put a lot of passion and work into this project that is now an organization. And I want to know, you know, you've talked a little bit about the reactions that you've had from people, but I've also know that you have visited schools, you've talked to youth. What's the kind of feedback that you get from um, the different communities? And also, you know, what kind of feedback do you get from your French colleagues, um, from friends or people back in France? Well, the feedback is 99% of the time, if not all the time, super positive. People in this country love Lafayette, whether it is because of Hamilton or because they already knew about him, because they had read about him somewhere in their classes when they were younger, whatever the reason, there's a passion about Lafayette. And because of that, people are always very excited, super excited to see a young Frenchman here trying to make this story alive and bring more attention, national spotlight to it with an upcoming uh, major milestone, the Bicentennial of Lafayette store in 2024 and also the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence that's coming also very soon in 2026. So everywhere I go, because I I mean, I've traveled dozens of thousands of miles uh, around the country by now, And I'm always met with an outpouring of support. People want to show me around uh, the oldest tavern in town where Lafayette, you know, might have stayed or there's a little bit of local lore here and there. But you know what? It doesn't matter, actually, because I know what I do with my nonprofit. I know that we strongly vet uh, people and their sites in order to have historic markers placed, official Lafayette markers. But I give value to the local lore. I feel like the local lore is here to create an interest in Lafayette. So that, to me, this is the value of local lore. And then later on, when we come in with our methodology to get those markers placed and vet the data that they give us or that I, I found myself during the research, this is another conversation. But to me, it's very it's very important that Americans in their community keep telling stories about Lafayette because this is this is how passion lives. This is how uh, hearsay makes a story go from a grandmother to the granddaughter. I go very often to uh, school, you know, schools in the country. Last time I was there in New Hampshire was before uh, COVID, obviously in person, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to the kids. I mean, on our website, thelafayettrail.org, we have all of those resources. Uh, digital resources that people can use to learn more about Lafayette and, you know, his legacy and his tour, give more contextual info about the tour of 1824. But in terms of the kids, the mapping programs that we have on the website are super popular uh, with the younger generation. I'll tell you what, it's very simple. Uh, younger people today, they want to have fun before, you know, they, they can learn something like they want to use those maps and have fun playing with them. So that's what I aim for. When I go see a class, I want to have a good time talking about Lafayette with the kids and their teacher. And when I leave, 
I hope that they will remember a couple things and they will trigger some thoughts about bigger ideals than just Lafayette and why he's so popular, but what it means to celebrate him for this country, what, what his values are and to what extent they, they, they are a source of inspiration for the nation as it revisits the legacy of the founding generation. I think those are all good points to consider if you want to try to have a very interesting conversations that has an impact with kids in particular. You know, as I hear you, uh, Julien, I mean, I see a little bit of Marquis de Lafayette in you. I mean, you are already following his footsteps. Um, you moved to another country. You're chasing down your dream. You're talking to people. You're trying to influence and and in some way uh, give value to something that is so important, something that is uh, a founding piece of, of our, like you said, our allyship, our friendship. So now that your organization, it's growing, where are you right now? I mean, how many markers do you have of the Lafayette Trail in itself and how many are left? I mean, what are the next steps? Well, so, so far we have about... Uh, we're about to get our 25th marker approved and shipped. So, you know, we definitely have momentum right now, to be honest. People contact us now. Can we get a marker, please? What do we, what do we need to do? What's the process? So we're very grateful to have gr amazing partners in that operation. Um, you know, the William G. Pomeroy Foundation is an amazing partner. We also have great friends in the American Friends of Lafayette, the Daughters of the American Revolution, and many more. Uh, so what do we have in mind? Many things. Number one, keep placing those markers. I'll tell you what, it's not just placing a pole on the ground, okay? this this You, you have a lot of legal matters to consider. Uh, you got to contact the landowner. You know, sometimes people don't even know they live in a house that was visited by Lafayette 200 years ago. You have to tell them the story. Now, in terms of what we have in mind also, I want to make sure people know more about the abolitionist angle of Lafayette's legacy. This is a country right now, the United States. It's revisiting very actively its founding period. And what I try to do with the Lafayette Trail is bring a new angle to the conversation and say, Lafayette was friends with all these people, the founding fathers, and he challenged them very early. You know, he wrote to George Washington in 1783, will you follow me to create this revolutionary plantation in South America to show the United States that we do not need slavery to have a economically sustainable uh, process? I want to show you, you know, George Washington, what to do with gradual emancipation. He tried to have that conversation, and for a whole variety of reasons, uh, George Washington was not ready then to follow Lafayette, but we do have this data. This data exists, and it, it allows me, as I travel the country, to talk to Americans and tell them that this man, Lafayette, uh, very early in the history of this country, before the Constitution of the United States was even a thing, uh, he, do, he did things. He took actions uh, to improve the conditions of Native Americans, African Americans. And later on, during the tour of 1824, that issue of slavery was still not solved. So, you know, he was walking a tough line because he was the guest of the nation and he could not offend his hosts, especially in southern states that relied still heavily on slavery. And he, he was able to give a sense, of, I should say, give attention to the black community that sometimes uh, cities uh, forbade from attending uh, receptions with Lafayette in town. So that angle is really, uh, it's got to be discussed more. And we strive, uh, the Lafayette, to do that. So we have these conversations. You know, I, I show up and I talk to people and I say, 
this is what Lafayette stood for. So when you see something that's not consistent with his values, do something about it because, you know, a wrong message can have dramatic consequences. We need the story out. We need people to know more about what he did and people to look back at the period of American history, the early Republic, the Revolutionary War, with a new angle saying that people like Lafayette already pushed abolitionist agendas already back then and that you don't need to look further in U.S. history to find something reconciling like that. You can actually look back to the 1780s and you find in Lafayette that abolitionist voices are not a later outgrowth of the country, but they're really as old as the nation itself. Oh, thank you, Julian, for sharing this. You know, uh, like you said, Lafayette is definitely America's favorite Frenchman, but that is definitely something that I think has been under the radar, you know, uh, Lafayette's abolitionist views. And I'm happy to hear that you are able to bring that into light, uh, especially, you know, in circumstances that they really, these discussions need to be had. Yeah, I should say we have a lot of resources on our website about that. Uh, and I should also give uh, information about what we do in terms of, we have a membership program for the Lafayette Trail in which we have a newsletter we have academic contributions. We share the data that supports every single marker that we place around the country. Uh, and of course, there are all those emails that we send about dedication ceremonies around the country. I mean, you can get emails about something going on in Vermont and Louisiana the next day. I mean, it's really the scope that we have. So I would invite people to consider joining the Lafayette Trail as members uh, to be part of that effort. Because again, it, it, is a, it is a grassroots movement that we're creating around the country. And obviously, we would appreciate any support we can have as well as we develop and prepare for the bicentennial celebrations in 2024 alongside our good friends of the American Friends of Lafayette. Francophiles, make sure to visit Le Lafayette Trail uh, Incorporated online. And if you yourself have adventured on the Lafayette Trail, let us know, send in your photos or anecdotes. I know that Julien and I would be really happy to know about your experience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julien. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. Good to talk to you. As always, thank you for listening to Francophiles. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe and review us and make sure to drop us a comment about what makes you a Francophile. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FrancophilesPod and visit our website for more information. To indulge in more stories about French-American culture, check out our partner, France Amérique Magazine. Stay tuned, Francophiles. And until next time, à bientôt.